welcome to the Built for Playmakers podcast. I'm your host, Kelvin Hunt, editor of ChopChat.com. Uh, welcome to episode 55, the double nickels episode. Uh, it's been a while, man. Life has been really hectic for me uh, work-wise, so I hadn't had a chance to record as often as I would uh, have liked to. And this is your first time tuning in. We appreciate you giving us a chance. Those of you that have been rocking with me from the beginning, welcome back. I'm going to talk about all things FSU football in this episode. Um, uh, I'm really just going to go off the top of my head on this one. I don't have any type of outline or, or whatnot, but and just have a lot of thoughts I'm going to share. Um, but before we do that, I want to go ahead and thank our sponsor, BetOnline.ag. Uh, football is back, and BetOnline remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you promo, use the promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's B-L-E-A-V. Um, BetOnline, where the game starts. Yeah, man, it's bye week. You know, a lot of people are are talking about FSU football and, you know, started out 4-0. Everybody's on top of the mountain, you know, excited, you know, just dreaming wildly about what's possible. And, of course, um, FSU has lost the last three games by a combined score of 18 points. And, you know, going into the season, I pretty much pre- predicted that FSU would be four and three at this point in the season. It didn't it didn't draw up exactly how I thought it would. But, you know, nevertheless we're here. Um FSU has been competitive in all three losses and um definitely should have won the NC State game. And I'm gonna start there. Um I think I discussed the Wake Forest game um on the last episode. So we're gonna start with NC State and man, you know, just to tell the two halves, you know, the offense is just you know, really, they dominated NC State uh, on both sides of the ball in the first half, and then I know a lot of people were making, you know, just long, just just long-winded narratives, and uh, you know, talking about play calling and all sorts of things. And I mean, really, I mean, I I just keep it simple. I mean, at the end of the day, the plays were there to be made. You know, Jordan Travis made some throws. Receivers should have caught the ball. Had they caught the ball the way they should have, it 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 would have been a win. They didn't catch the ball, and um, you know, the offense started pressing, and you know, turned the ball over there a couple times. Well, actually, the last two possessions turned the ball over, and um, you know, that's the game. So. Um, like, like all three losses, you know, it's, it's on the offense. The defense has played well enough for FSU to be undefeated. And a lot, I know a lot of people are just, you know, don't like Adam Fuller. I, you know, look, I'm not a, I don't think he's elite by any means, but I just call it how I see it. You know, that, that defense has played well enough for FSU to be undefeated. Um, and I wrote an article on Chop Chat earlier today. Um, you know, one of the themes coming out of the Clemson game is, oh, the defense is not forcing enough turnovers. Um, 
you know, and guys, I mean, turnovers are lower, mostly luck. I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, you can try to force whatever you want. I mean, it's not like, you know, Adam Fuller is actively telling those guys not to try to force turnovers. I mean, if you look at every game, those guys are game tackling and trying to rip the ball away, often giving up an extra two or three yards because they're trying to strip the ball. They're trying to create a turnover. And then even still, if you rip the ball out, there's no guarantee you're going to get it. It just depends on how, how the ball bounces. I mean, there's been a, a few times this year where um, teams have put the ball on the ground and, you know, FSU just didn't wasn't able to recover it. Um, you've had guys in position to make plays. Look at uh, Greedy Vance against Wake Forest. Ball hit him right in the hands pretty much, and he didn't make the play. Um, but going back to last year, um, you know, FSU's defense forced 20 uh, turnovers or had 20 takeaways, which was tied with Clemson, which, you know, everybody says was a, pretty much an elite defense. And that was in one fewer game than Clemson played. Um, so, you know, Adam Fuller's defense creates takeaways. You, I mean, but again, it's just largely luck. You know, I wrote about um, FSU's defenses from 2012 and 2013 you know, uh, in 2012, that elite, that defense was elite. They forced like 25 turnovers. And the next year, 2013, a lot of the same players on defense, you know, they forced, you know, like 12 more turnovers. And um, they had similar sacks, you know, similar. I think 2012 even had one more sack. They had like 10 more passes defended. They had like three less fumbles forced. And, um, they had a few less tackles for loss, but at the end of the day, I mean, turnovers are just random. Um, one thing, one thing that has really affected FSU in, in in these three games is, and nobody wants to talk about it, is just the consistency of the offense. Um, they've averaged twenty two points per game over this three game stretch. Look, this is not nineteen nineteen eighty seven. You're not going to hold a lot of teams below um, 20 points. I mean, you're just not. I mean, if you go and look at Tennessee's defense, FSU's defense allows fewer points per game than Tennessee. But Tennessee's offense, you know, is a juggernaut. So, again, like I said, if you if you had, if you gave Tennessee FSU's defense, they would be undefeated. I mean, that's just the only way to look at it. The offense has to be more consistent. Okay, and so let's talk about it. They've they you know they're outgaining opponents. You know, yards per play and total yards, and really, really, it's just they're they're wasting. And some of it, some of it, you know, as far as field goal kicking, some of it is that I don't, I don't, I don't blame not having a field goal kicker for um, some of the, some of the woes. I mean, cause if you know, you don't trust a guy, you can go, you, you are, you automatically should have the mindset that, Hey, this is four down territory. So in my opinion, you re- you really should be scoring more points per position, knowing you don't have a field goal kicker than if you did, because you're already prepared to go for it on fourth down. Right. So in looking at, and looking at, some of the falters, you know, they failed to convert on fourth down, fourth and short, and the goal line against Clemson, fourth and two on the Clemson 30. 
Um, I do not agree with going forward on fourth and five from your own 30 like they did against Clemson. So, you know, a lot of people are talking about play calling. I, I don't have a big problem with Mike Novell's play, play calling. Um, I said it last year against Notre Dame. He did the same thing. And everybody's like, oh, well, he's playing to win. But yeah, you, you're playing to win. But at the same time, you know, you definitely guarantee you're not going to win if you don't get it. Because you're pretty much going to give up points to that, at a, you know, in that situation. And credit to the defense for holding uh, Clemson to a field goal there. And and when you look at when you look at uh, the turnovers, that's another thing. In the last three games, FSU has lost the turnover battle. And you and some people say, well, the defense should should force more turnovers. Well, how about offense? Just don't turn it over. You know, how about that? Because when the offense turns it over, they generally give the ball to the opposing offense at midfield or in FSU's territory. You know, the fumble, the fumble against Wake Forest is pretty much at midfield or FSU's side of the field. You know, the first interception against NC State, NC State gets the ball at the FSU 40. The fumble against Clemson, uh, Clemson gets the ball on FSU 42. The, the failed uh, punt attempt, Clemson gets the ball on the FSU 30. Special teams allows a long kickoff. Hadn't allowed, allowed one all year. Been elite on kickoff return. Try to do a couple arm tackles. Give up a 70-yard return. Clemson automatically starts that position in field goal range. So, if you so against Clemson in those three possessions, so the fumble, the fake punt, and then the kickoff return, I wrote about this on Chop Chat. I mean, you pretty much are automatically giving them nine points just from where they start with field position with their with their field goal kicker. That's nine points right there. You know, and I just wonder. I had you know, it's just too much work to do, but I just wonder. You know, FSU has turned the ball over. Eight times this year, and and I know the majority of those times, that has given the opposing offense a short field. I don't care how good your defense is, when you're on a short field, man, it's 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 tough. It's tough to hold guys, hold teams uh, out of the end zone. And then when you look at the amount of times that the FSU offense just just gets possession and doesn't move the ball at all you know they don't get a first down it's three and out kind of like they did against nc state and everybody's like oh they're giving up field goals on defense well i mean nc state was getting the ball you know on their own 40 45 yard line i mean like 20 yards and you're in field goal range i mean that's a very small margin of error you know so if you go and look at it and say well the offense isn't moving the ball and the opposing offense, you punting and the opposing offense is getting the ball at their own 35 and 40. I mean, yeah, you're going to give up some points. Not to mention you're playing without, you know, your best defensive tackle, your your best defensive end is missing multiple games and playing at less than 100%. You know, your best cornerback from last year has been less than 100% and whatever's going on with him, he just hasn't played well. I mean that's a lot. That's a lot to ask, man. Um, and I mean, 
when you look at statistically, Wake Forest is is one of the best offenses out there. Going into that game, you know you got to you know you got to score more than thirty points to win that game. You saw what they did to Clemson against Clemson. Clemson comes to the game averaging almost forty. Granted, they haven't played the schedule you have, but you know they 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 look better this year, and that was my fear. That they, I was like, there's no way that they can look as bad this year as they did last year offensively. I mean, just there's just no way. They were awful. And another way to look at it, too, is, you know, people talk about closing a gap. You know, I think if you would take this year's FSU team and play last year's Clemson team, you roll them. You roll them. I mean, you went, you went toe-to-toe with them for a half pretty much. I mean, you got an out, you know, a minute and a half. Where, you know, it's a fumble, you basically get back-to-back possessions and you allow touchdowns. On top of what started up was not not getting the fourth and two um, there on Clemson's 30. So they gave up, gave up a field goal there, gave up back-to-back touchdowns, a 17-point swing. And part of it is you don't even have an opportunity to get the ball because, you know, one possession ends to half pretty much, and then they get the ball to start the third quarter. So, you know, looking at things in totality, a lot of people just, you know, just there's some fans out there that are just ridiculous. I mean, uh, they are they're very ignorant, you know, have an agenda or whatever. They're not they're not really fans, you know. Anybody talking about firing Mike Neville is. I mean, if they go out there and go one and, you know, if they go out there and go one and four on the back half of the schedule, then, you know, that's a conversation for sure. But, I, you know, I don't expect that to happen. But clearly, clearly this team is, 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 is very close when you look at the players and the personnel that they have coupled with who they played. I mean, you just played the three best teams in the, in the conference pretty much, and you were in every game. And you, you're doing it without guys you were counting on in the preseason on the offensive line. You're doing it without Fabian Lovett. You're doing it without Jared Verse for, for a large part of the first few games. You know, you're doing it without Marion Cooper being the player you thought he was going to be. You're doing it without you know anybody at tight end, really. I mean, who thought Marquiston Douglas would contribute anything this year? And he, you know, he he hasn't been great blocking, but I mean, he's giving you more offensively than you than you thought what it was even possible. So, the other thing too is, you know, when you look at just talent, the talent wise. Now, granted, FSU has more overall talent than Wake Forest. The difference is that team's been together. I mean, you got. Guys that have been there like eight years and they're in the same system. They're grown men. And whenever you're in a system that long, you, you know, it's almost like a veteran team in the NCAA tournament. You know, they're not going to beat themselves. And that's kind of what happened in that, in that game. You know, if you turn the ball over and you knew it was going to be, Hey, we got to get a couple of stops. We, you know, we got to match them score for score. Um, and so whenever FSU failed to score on their second position, when the, when the defense forced a punt, on Wake Forest's first position, I said on Twitter then, I said, ooh, that's going to come back to Honus, and it did. Same thing against Clemson. 
FSU goes down, scores, boom, put pressure on Clemson. Defense forces a punt on Clemson's first possession. Michael Pittman runs the ball back to midfield. You're at midfield. Now, we just talked about Clemson's offense capitalizing whenever they got a short field. Guess what? FSU goes three and out when they get the ball at midfield. Have to punt. Clemson goes down and scores, ties it up. If you go up 10-0 there, 14-0 there, that changes things. That puts that puts a lot of pressure on, on, on that on that offense. And going back to what I wrote on Chop Chat earlier today, if you haven't read it, um, I talked the, the title of it is Why Isn't the FSU Defense Forcing Turnovers? And going back to um that the difference between the 2013 and the two, 2012 defense, you know, I talked about how you had a lot of similar players. I mean, the same players on both teams for the most part. Now, granted, you could say, hey, well, from 2012 to 2013, you know, they developed and, you know, you went from Mark Stoops to Jeremy Pruitt. You know, he you know he could have been more aggressive than, than Stoops or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's the same group of players for the most part. But the major difference between 2013 and 2012 was the FSU offense in 2012 wasn't anywhere near what it was in 2013, and they turned the ball over way more than 2013. And so what you had in 2013 was you had the offense just just annihilating guys early. I mean, the game was over in the first quarter, second quarter, and you you knew what teams had to do. You knew they had to throw the ball to – to get back into the game or try to compete. And so, I mean, it was easy call. You pin your ears back, go after them, do your thing because you're up early already. And a prime comparison of that would be the Boston College game this year. You jump on them 7 nothing before you know it, it's 24 nothing, And you don't turn the ball over on offense. And you force two takeaways on defense. So, if anything... Everything on this team, and I and I said it in the preseason, everything on this team revolves around the offense. If the offense shows up, they can beat anybody on the schedule and a lot of other teams out there. And so that hinges on pretty much Jordan Travis and credit to Jordan Travis. You know, he, you know, he got hurt in the Louisville game and missed, you know, like 70% of that game. But other than that, he's been available you know, he's been nicked up, but he's played, played well for the most part. But, you know, there's, there's been a few times, especially in the last few games where if you like, if you, if you watch the LSU game and I remember watching that game thinking, this looks like a totally different guy. Like he looks so calm you know, so comfortable, so confident, right? When it's when it's third and seven, you were like, oh, we're going to pick this first down up. And you did. He went to the right guy. You know, when it's third and seven, he didn't go, you know, he didn't get, throw, you know, go a, 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 a go route. You know, he hit a guy on a slant, RPO, glance route, whatever, pick up the first down, or he, you know, he, uh, you know, he hits a guy out of the backfield or whatever. Here, here in in the last three games, though, that hadn't been the case, and especially against NC State. Um, you know, they run a three three five, and I think what happened in that game a little bit was 
I didn't. I don't think Mike Novell trusted Jordan Travis against that defense um, because it is like when you go back to the Syracuse game last year, they run a three 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 five, right? And you hardly ever saw Jordan Travis throw anything over the middle. Everything was out, you know, out wide screens, um, things like that. And and then you saw whenever whenever you know you know. FSU had to pass, um, you know, he was double clutching. He, you know, he wasn't real confident of where he was going to go with the ball. Now, ultimately, you know, he, he, he put re- receivers in position to make plays on third down and they failed him, but it wasn't as smooth as it was earlier in the year. And then when you look at the Clemson game, he, you know, he played pretty well, but you had the turnover. And then the other part of about Jordan Travis is I feel like he is, you know, they're taking a long time, at, you know, before they snap the ball. And, uh, and some people have pointed this out, too. Um, they, they they take way too long. Uh, those offensive linemen, it's a wonder we don't have way more false starts than we do. Um, I mean, they are in their stances a long time. So credit to them for, you know, doing as well as they have, not having false starts. And that's a long time to be in that stance, especially when you're tired. But it's almost like, you know, they're taking a long time, giving Jordan Travis an opportunity to look at the defense and decide where he's going to go with the ball before they snap it. Or at the very least, he's like, okay, I'm going to make this one read. And if that's not there, then I'm going to take off, scramble, run around until somebody gets open. That's basically what the offense Passing wise, you know, that's what it feels like over the last few games. Like, for instance, on the NC State play, the last interception, you know, a lot of people was like, oh, it's the same play as earlier where they ran a touchdown. And it wasn't exactly the same. Um, you know, the guy was playing off. The throw was about 12 yards longer, maybe 15 yards longer than their, than their, the first throw where – Micah Pittman caught it. Um, there was less. There was less air under the ball on the first one compared to the second one because of the distance. And so all of those are factors that contributed to that ball being, being intercepted. But the main, the main thing I feel like was Jordan when he got up to to the line of scrimmage and you know he looked around and they hiked the ball. He decided where he was going that ball before they even hiked it. You know, and I and it was almost like, you know, he was like, "Oh, well, we we ran this play earlier. Uh, we scored a touchdown. Um, I'm going to do it again." He never looked anywhere else. You know, he never looked at Johnny Wilson down below. And um, you know, I know a lot of people, um, you know, probably question the play call, but but then you know that's on that's on Jordan Travis too. It's like, well, I mean, it's not like. You know, Mike said they had five options on that play. And Jordan never looked at any of them except one. Right? And then whenever you go back to the Clemson game on fourth and two on Clemson's 30-yard line, same thing. You know, Jordan hikes the ball, and it's like he's he's looking at Johnny Wilson the whole time. And, um, you know, he goes to Wilson – regardless and then a guy Clemson DB just easily knocks the pass down so you know I think teams have kind of 
realize that defensively and probably have, have changed a few things in coverage. Um, Jordan Jordan has improved tremendously as a passer, but he's still not he's still not like I mean who who is but he's still not 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 like Jameis Winston where you know it's a lot of uh, anticipatory throws. There's a few times where he'll throw a guy open, but a lot of times the double clutching comes into play where it's like you know he's expecting a guy to be open in in a zone or against a man coverage and the guy's not, and so he's like oh I don't trust it because he doesn't. He doesn't really anticipate to throw that well. Now, the good news is on, on the on the back half of the schedule, you got, you know, Georgia Tech, you got um Miami, Syracuse, Louisiana, Florida. Of those teams, Syracuse has the best defense, and they run a three three five, as I mentioned earlier. You're more talented than Georgia Tech. Miami is god-awful. You, sh- you should not lose that game. Syracuse is not as good as a lot of – they're not no, They're not the, the number 14 team in the nation. They're just not. I've watched Syracuse a lot this year, and um, I said that they benefited from playing NC State without Devin Leary, the quarterback. Obviously, we knocked Leary out, of, out for the year, and so then, of course, Syracuse would get them the next week, and it was like a gift to them, and they won 24-9. But um, I don't know if they beat NC State if Leary plays. So that's probably the toughest game on the year um, left. Uh, you know, they got to play Clemson this week, and that's pretty much going to tell you if they're a pretender or a contender. Um, Clemson is favored by double digits, and I, and I wrote, um, I think it was Monday, I expect Clemson to beat them by double digits. Their offense is, is, is very simple. And um, I don't, I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's gonna, I don't think it's gonna hold up against Clemson. So then you have Louisiana, who basically lost everybody from last year. You win that game. Then you got Florida. Florida is um, awful defensively, and then you know they have an offense that can score, but it just depends on which Anthony Richardson shows up. So you're in a great position to 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 go at the minimum. Minimum, minimum, minimum three and two. I'm I'm gonna just say four and one. But this team is quite capable of of winning all five of these games. Quite capable, especially with Fabian Lovett coming back. You could potentially get Winston right back at some point. Um, this week and next week allows Jared Verster to heal up a little bit more. Hopefully. And then hopefully whatever whatever Amari and Cooper is dealing with, um, hopefully this week and next week can kind of kind of get him, you know, back into form, close to where he was last year. Um, we've we're beginning to see more of um, Azaria Thomas at cornerback. He's making some some freshman mistakes out there, but this week and next week should be should be um, a good time to. For his development. So this bye week came at a perfect time. And you got a team at home at noon in Georgia Tech that is pleasant. You know, since they fired Jeff Collins, they've played a bit better. But that team, you're more talented than. And it's a team that you should beat. 
Again, Miami's been going life and death with everybody. Um, they defensively, you should score forty points on Miami. Offensively, they they haven't brought much to the table at all. Um, Van Dyke, you know, he's he's not going to run around back there. So, kind of like Devin Leary, those type of quarterbacks that match up pretty well with when you don't have to worry about them running around. That's kind of where Syracuse kind of is like, hmm, you know, because Garrett Schrader ran ran for a good bit on them last year. They have a good running back. And they got a receiver, uh, Gadsden kid, that they seem to go to a lot. You know, he's one of the leading receivers in, in the conference. But it's not like FSU hasn't faced um, Malik Cunningham. It's not like they haven't faced Jay Jones. Um, they just faced Will Shipley at running back. So. That's a game, if you're healthy, I think you should win. I mean, I penciled them I penciled them to win that game before um, the season began. Louisiana, you should win. Florida, rivalry game, but it's a game you should win, and it's at home. So I like where we are. At the end of the day, I feel like the program is going in the right direction. I'm not going to make a big deal out of the three losses. You know, at this point, before the season, I said this team should begin to beat the teams that they should beat and then be, you know, have a chance to beat the teams that, you know, you don't expect to beat. And, you know, a lot of people, I didn't expect them to beat LSU. I thought it would be a close game. They pulled that one out. Thought they would beat Louisville to beat Louisville. I thought they would beat Wake Forest. You know, they had a chance. I um I picked NC State to beat FSU in the preseason, but it was a game that the only reason I picked them to win that game, NC State, was because it was at NC State. <clears throat> Going into the game, you know, I picked FSU to win and they should have blew them out. They didn't. Clemson, you know, you're favored to lose that game. You lose it. But, you know, however you want to look at it, you had an opportunity. If you get that onside kickoff and you go score a touchdown, you win that game. I don't care how you win it. You won it. There's, it will be in the record book as a win. So you should be favorites against Georgia Tech. You should be favored against Miami. Heck, you probably you probably – well, it'll be on it'll be on the road at Syracuse, so you it's tough to say how that it, it depends on if, if Cuse beats Clemson then, which I don't think they will, then obviously that'll change things. But um a Syracuse is a game you should win. You'll be favored against Louisiana, probably favored against Florida. You're in position to go eight and four, just as I predicted in the preseason. Go eight and four. That's that's right where you where you should be. And then when you look at the schedule next year. That schedule shapes up real favorably. Think about it. Wake Forest is losing a ton of guys. NC State losing a ton of guys. Louisville losing Malik Cunningham. Boston College sucks regardless. Clemson is going to be Clemson, but if DJ comes back, hey, we'll see. So, you're in a great position. Got to finish up strong. 
Um, I need eight and four. Knowing what I know with how these teams look uh, on the back half of the schedule, I g- I gotta have eight and four. I gotta have four and one because Miami and Florida, or I mean, I knew Miami was overrated. I, I put them as you know one of my top three overrated teams. And I picked Florida to beat FSU in the preseason, but you know it was very—it was pretty much a pick'em game. But knowing what I know now, you gotta—I gotta have four and one. Gotta have four and one. Do that. Close strong on the recruiting trail. Close strong in the transfer portal. And you—you're gonna be. I talked about earlier in the year. Talked about um, you know having sparks and having sparks, and then kind of a, a full-blown flame fire. You you go four and one and close strong. You're gonna you're gonna have a full blown fire, and then you have the foundation. You have the foundation to be successful. Like I said, a lot of people will talk about what Tennessee is doing or what Michigan State. You know, everybody last year, oh Michigan State, what Mel Tucker, Mel Tucker. You know, look look now, you know they they're three and four and they went laughing death in Wisconsin and won the overtime to, to get to three and four. Recruiting wise, you have you know one of the top quarterbacks committed in the twenty twenty four class. You have somebody in the wings that you know is redshirting this year. Jordan Travis could come back. I mean, your whole your whole offense could come back really for the for the most part. And then you have some guys on the O line that are developing that should be ready to play next year. And then you always have the portal you can draw from. So you're in a good spot, no fans, you know, stop tripping. It's not the end of the world. And um, we just got to finish strong, go four and one. And, you know, we'll be in good shape. So um, that's all I have. Like I said, I didn't really have uh, an outline I was going to go by. And truth be told, no matter, don't, you know, I kind of just go off the rip. And um, I had an opportunity um, to, to record here in the afternoon, Wednesday, um, was working uh, away from uh, away from the office and had a little bit of time. And so I wanted to be able to get this in. But um, we appreciate the support you guys give us. Make sure you check out betterline.ag. And um, if you haven't had a chance to um, subscribe, make sure you do that and make sure you um Give us a rating, whatever you think we deserve. Hopefully it's a five-star. Last time I checked, we were at 48 on the Apple platform, but make sure you rate it on whatever platform you use. But, man, I love round numbers. We'd love to get to 50. And um, until next time, go notes. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? 
That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.